subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at tripods.com, Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Tripod Talk Radio, and today is Thursday, November 3rd, 2016. You know, we always say it's important to keep tripods fit and trim, but the sad truth is pet obesity affects more than 50% of all dogs in this country. It significantly increases their risk for heart disease, arthritis, and generally decreases their lifespan and quality of life. For animal amputees, this issue is even more serious. That's why we are honored to have Dr. Ernie Ward on the phone with us today. Dr. Ward is an internationally recognized veterinarian known for his work with the special needs of senior dogs and cats and obesity in all pets. He's also the author of Chow Hounds, Why Our Dogs Are Getting Fatter. We have a lot to cover, so check out Dr. Ward's website at chowhoundsbook.com while we discuss important weight loss tips for tripods. Thank you for your time, Dr. Ward, and welcome to Tripod Talk. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Hey, Dr. Ward, this is Renee here, and um, yeah, I'm thrilled to have you because ever since we met you at the AHA conference earlier this year, um, I have wanted to just really dig into some some really good suggestions from you about, about managing pet obesity, so thanks for being here. Well, Renee, uh, the feeling is mutual. I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, obviously, this is an issue that touches all veterinarians, veterinary technicians, and pet lovers around the world. I mean, you know, when we deal with dogs who have um, amputation, it brings with it a certain, you know, unique set of, of challenges, but they can be overcome with just a little bit of work. And so I am so appreciative for what you're doing to get the word out to let people know it's easy. Well, thank you for that. You know, uh, a lot of our members um, have, they already have an obese dog or a cat, and then the animal loses a leg, and they're, oh, my God, they're like, what do I do? You know, suddenly they've got the problem of pet obesity and an, an amputee on, on their hands at the same time. So um, so I know you'll you'll be really helpful here. Um, you know, and even even for our, our four-legged friends, those, those odd four-legged animals out there, um, it just seems like everywhere I, I go these days, I see overweight animals. We were at a, uh, a a cancer fundraiser, animal cancer fundraiser, and there were these are the the most enlightened pet parents in the country, and and they're fighting pet cancer, and they're they're doing what they can, but they have obese pets, and I was just kind of stunned to see that. And so my first question for you today is, um, how do you kind of nudge people in the direction of, of you know, I, I think your animal's just a little big. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to right, be rude. Right. I don't want to offend anybody, but, but I see it and I want to say something, and I know others out there do too. Right. Um, so, so how do you direct pet parents to that kind of conversation? 
Well, this is something that certainly I struggled with for nearly 25 years as a practicing veterinarian. And how do we delicately approach such a sensitive, emotional topic as obesity? Because instantly it pivots to, are you saying I'm a bad pet parent? And, and that's right. really where veterinarians sort of back off because we don't ever want to be judgmental, but sometimes we have to tell you that things maybe aren't as good as, as you think they are. And an analogy that I typically use is this. Let's say that you're seeing a dog or a cat and it has cancer. So it has a mass on the side and you're looking at it and you're going, wow, that's an ugly looking tumor there. But yet the owner is oblivious. They're just, hey, doc, good to see you. Yeah, Buffy's doing great. (laughs) No problems that I can tell. And you're looking at this large tumor. And so would you as a veterinarian say, wow, I don't want to offend her. She seems really happy and she's not aware that there's a problem. So I'll just ignore it. Or would you say there's a problem? And that, to me, is how I've always approached obesity. It is a medical disease. It is an issue Mm -hmm. that robs life too early. It creates tremendous suffering and ultimately costs pet owners thousands and thousands of dollars in avoidable veterinary costs. So I'm not going to ignore this problem. And it's interesting that you mentioned cancer because the link between excess fat, adipose tissue, and cancer is well documented. In fact, you can't go a week without seeing something in the scientific literature that says, here's another type of tumor that is related to oxidative stress, which is related to excess fat. So the link is well established. We've got to do a better job. But that still doesn't get around how do you delicately and sensitively and diplomatically address it. The first thing that veterinarians have to do is realize, A, it's a medical problem. If we do nothing, if we ignore it, we are literally you know, sentencing that pet to more suffering. So we have to say, this is important. Once you've convinced yourself it's important, then you have to say, you know, Mrs. Smith, I know how much you care about Fluffy or Buster or whatever the pet is. But there's something that we need to discuss today because I want to make sure that your dog has the highest quality of life for as many years as possible, and that's its weight. And I'll tell you, if you're a pet owner, if you receive that information, don't be defensive. I write an entire chapter about this in my book, Chowhounds, about, look, don't take it personally. Your veterinarian is actually doing you the best service ever by bringing up this topic. And too often, they just ignore it. They say, well, you know, I'm not going to go there. This lady's going to be angry with me. I don't want to upset them. I don't want to lose a client. And then we ignore it. And then later you come back two years later with diabetes. You come back with high Mm. blood pressure. You come back with a form of cancer, heart disease, respiratory problem. You go down the list. You come back later, and then you're going to be mad at your vet. Why didn't you tell me two years ago that Mm -hmm. we could have avoided this? So, again, use language that that is, I think, appropriate. I don't call dogs and cats fat. In fact, we say no F word at my clinics. You know, so we don't say mm-hmm. fat. We use the terms obesity. We use the terms excess mm-hmm. fat. But more importantly, it's about inflammation. And that gets back to that earlier comment about cancer. It's this internal inflammation, this, these chemicals and compounds and hormones that this fat tissue is pumping out. That's where the damage is occurring. So for me, when I see a fat dog or a fat cat, I don't see them as a fat dog or fat cat. I see them as a, as, as a patient with tremendous inflammation that's going to lead to just devastating diseases like diabetes, arthritis, cancer, and so forth. That is a really great way to look at it. I never thought of it like that. Um, 
But, yeah, I, I mean, when it comes to cancer, our community is so familiar with that. And um, right. I was just wondering, what what type of, of cancers are we talking about here? Renee, sadly, almost every form of tumor is related to inflammation or oxidative stress. And so what happens is, you know, the, the, the way that most cancers are, come, are created or come about is because damage occurs to the DNA of the cell. So a skin cell, a liver cell, a, a lung cell, whatever cell it is. And so as damage occurs to the DNA, then it replicates or makes copies of itself that are abnormal. And so suddenly you've got a tumor in your lungs. Now, where does that DNA damage come from originally? Well, people, I always tell people, think about UV light. Everybody makes the connection between excess sun, ultraviolet light, and melanomas. Okay, so people probably get that. And how does that occur? Again, that ultraviolet damage to the skin cells results in an abnormal tumor type, and then you've got a really bad cancer. Well, the same process that that ultraviolet light damages DNA is occurring with, at the cellular level due to chemicals and compounds that fat is producing. And it's not that fat is inherently bad. It's that in excess, it's inherently bad. So if you're pumping out excess amounts of these types of, of proteins and hormones, well, that's what causes this ultimate damage, this oxidative stress. That's the fancy medical term. It's really just a low-grade in inflammation. But when we subject ourselves to that constantly, it breaks down and bad things can happen. I mean, in the case of osteoarthritis, that chronic inflammation, that chronic state that is a result of the, the stomach fat, the belly fat, is actually going to cause damage to the hip joints, to the elbow, to the wrist. So, Again, we have to say fat tissue isn't bad. Excess fat tissue kills. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of people ask, um, what can I do to prevent cancer in my, um, my other pets? And you just answered that question. I mean, look at your pet's weight, and let's, let's start there. It's not necessarily Rick, always environment or, or you know, food. It's how much food. Absolutely. Renee, one of the things that – and I, I have a YouTube – video series, a vlog, and you can check it out on YouTube at Dr. Ernie Ward. But one of the things we just did is uh, about a year, year and a half ago, I started an initiative called Project 25. And I was giving a, an address down in Barcelona, Spain, and I was basically challenging this group. These were the top nutritionists from all over the world. And I said to the audience, why don't dogs live to be 25 years of age? And they're stunned. The audience is like, what? What are you talking about? But the reality is this longevity, if we want our pets to live longer, higher quality of life, then we've got to really critically analyze the food. We have to take nutrition seriously because there's only a handful of things that we can do to intervene and promote good health. And nutrition is the top of this list. And it's also the easiest of all the things you can do because anybody can make better food choices. So if you're looking, if you're sitting there listening today and you're going, you know, I really want to try to avoid as many bad diseases as possible, look no further than what you're feeding your pet and quite frankly what you're feeding yourself because it's our diet and lifestyle habits that influence these types of, of issues such as cancer the most. Genetics only play about 30%. It's everything else oh, wow. that really is going to result in how, how long you live and how well you live. Because remember, this isn't just about living a longer life. It's about living better longer. You know, what's really striking me about everything you're saying is that 
you could be talking about people just as much as you, you're talking about pets here. I mean, it's, it's just like that for people as well, you, you know, as far as all the conditions that are, that are caused by what you eat. And, wow, it's a lot to think about. It really is, Renee. And sometimes I'm, I'm baffled by the disconnect because, you know, I think most people understand if I smoke, I could get lung cancer, and it might affect my quality of life. I think most Americans would agree with that sentiment. But yet it's hard to connect the if I smoke, I'm going to cause lung cancer in my dog or cat, and I'm going to adversely mm-hmm. affect their quality of life. People don't even have that kind of proximity to an issue. Smoking, I deal with this all the time. Smokers come in, and I'm like, you've got to hmm. stop smoking for your cat's sake. But now when we look at nutrition and obesity, people are starting to come around. They realize, wow, if I – you know, if I get gain too much weight, it's probably going to cause problems. But yet we're still not connecting the dots for our pets. The older dog who's put on the weight, the reason it has arthritis isn't because of its genes. It's because of the excess fat tissue causing inflammation, which is damaging the joints. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit more about, about pets and putting them on a diet because let's say you have a, a, a client who's aware, okay, my, my dog or cat needs to lose weight. Um, we, we hear people in our community mention this and sometimes, and they'll say, um, I'm trying to get my dog to lose weight, but a few months later, you know, there's really not much of a difference there. And I just, I wanted to ask you, why is it so hard for us to help our animals drop extra pounds when we control their food intake? Well, I think you actually answered the question within the question, and that is it's one of (laughs) discipline. It's discipline. When people fail at these types of dietary strategies because we do control the food bowl, then it is simply a matter of us not following through. We are either slipping the pet extra treats or not precisely measuring the food, or the pet has access to other sources of food, a neighbor, a, a, a grandmother that comes over and means well but, you know, sabotaging your efforts. So. It is a completely controllable issue, and that's, that is one of the frustrating things because we've got the science and the products to actually help your pet lose weight. And, and really, there are two broad dietary approaches to this. One is the tra- traditional and, and, quite frankly, the one we use most often, and that is you buy a therapeutic commercial diet. For most people, this will be the easy solution. You can buy whatever bag or can you know, your vet would prescribe or, or recommend, and that's going to take care of all the nutritional needs, you know, and you're going to reduce the calories, maybe boost the protein and boost the fats, decrease the carbs. The other broad pathway mm-hmm. is for you to cook for your own dog or cat. So home-prepared meals also we have great success with, but it requires more work. So what I wind up doing is trying to figure out what, what's going to work for my client? You know, what's your lifestyle? Because what, I, what often happens is the owner comes in and they, they uh, have been cooking for their dog or they, they feed a raw diet or whatever, and now the dog is obese or the cat. And so I, I say, well, here's mm-hmm. our two approaches. I know you're already used to cooking or feeding a raw diet, so let's talk about that. Well, they have the best intention, but they just don't follow through. And the same thing happens really with a commercial diet. They have the best intention. They buy that first bag of food, but gosh, you know, the dog really doesn't seem to like it as much. So we build in all these other biases, and suddenly we abandon the process. Whatever you do, you're going to have to work closely with your veterinarian because weight loss, effective, sustainable weight loss, is not just about cutting calories. That's called starvation, and that's not a good approach Mm -hmm. for weight loss. So you're going to have to make sure that we've got a proper dietary formulation. 
And, and we've learned a lot over the past decade in particular about the role of protein and fats when it comes to weight loss. I mean, years ago, 25 years ago when I first started out in this, yeah, we just cut calories and we really didn't know what we were doing, but we were learning. Now we realize cutting calories is actually deleterious and will actually backfire. So what we hmm. can do is actually just shave the calories down, you know, a small percentage and yet boost the protein, and then voila, we start to see weight loss. So there's a lot of cool science out there. Uh, the other thing, the other caveat to this is, remember, there's not one size fits all. That's why there are lots of diet books out there, and there's Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and The Color Diet, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, uh, because we know that we're individuals. And so what, what I tell my clients is this, and, and listeners, please pay attention to this one simple rule. It's called the 90-day rule. If you don't see results on whatever strategy you're employing within 90 days, change it. And I mean usually we change it radically. So if, a, if I have a pet that's coming in and we put them on a diet, and so let's say it's a, a very high-protein approach, 90 days later, dog hasn't lost any weight, and the people I believe have adhered to my recommendations, then we're probably going to go in the opposite direction and go with a high-fiber diet. So you've really got to make big changes because our bodies are really good at one thing, and your listeners know this better than anybody, and that is adaptation. You take a dog that's lived its entire life on four legs, suddenly you put it on three, and within just a short period of time, they are bounding and leaping and playing just like nobody, and nothing ever happened. So the same thing happens with our physiology and our metabolism. And so in my book, Chowhounds, I talk about plateaus. And plateauing is a normal adaptive process. Everybody's, everybody is going to do this. And so your veterinarian is going to work with you that when, they st when I start to spot an early plateau, you know, when I start to see the weight, weight loss dropping off, then we say, okay, let's change our approach. And this is why when people say, I just want to do it on my own, you're probably not going to get the results you want. I, I recently was dealing with a lady. She had been – she sort of self-prescribed a diet she was picking up at a pet food store and she'd been feeding this one food for one year and the dog had gained five pounds she comes in to oh me she's gosh. like this this food is not worth anything this is this they ought to uh, be shut down because they're misrepresenting it and i'm like well let me just explain something to you that wasn't the right food for your pet that wasn't the right food for your pet's unique metabolism and physiology. So you wasted an entire year, and sadly, what you really want to say is you created a year's worth of damage that is irreparable. I can't go back and reverse all those changes that happened over that course of the year. So if you're going to look if you're, the one thing I tell every pet parent, 90 days, switch it up. Do not linger. But also work with your vet <laughs> to do that mm -hmm. because – we see a lot of a, a lot of our members who really want to help their animals lose weight, but they try to do it themselves. And you know, I think part of the the reason for that though is finding vets like you is really difficult. I mean, honestly, most well, people I, I will tell you right now mention that. Uh huh. Renee, if your veterinarian is not talking with you about nutrition at every visit, you need a new veterinarian. And I can say that. I'm a veterinarian. I say this to thousands of vets every year in my lectures all over the world because the stakes are simply too high. The most important decision that pet owners make every day regarding their pet's health is what they feed it. So you bet we better have that conversation. And guess what? Nutritional needs change over time. 
I'm 50 years old. I don't eat the same foods and the same amounts in the same way that I did when I was 25 years of age. And I'll guarantee you it'll change when I'm 75. That's the normal metabolic process. So for us, we've got to make sure that our veterinarians are listening to our pets and our lifestyle and adapting along with us. Because I'm telling you, the stakes are simply too high. It breaks my heart whenever, every time I diagnose a cat with diabetes, I want you to remember this. Diabetes in cats is what I call a food bowl disease. No cat is born with type 2 diabetes. You don't get it from genetic problems. You don't get it from environmental toxins. You get it one and only one way. That is from excess calories resulting in excess fat. So for me as a veterinarian, when people say, my vet doesn't like to talk about nutrition, I say find a new vet Mm -hmm. because we don't live in that time anymore. And if you want your pet to live as my goal is, if you want your dog to be 25 years of age and running <laughs> marathons with you when it's 20, then we're going to have to work together, and nutrition is the most important step. That's awesome. So so if somebody is in a, a really rural area, I mean, you, you live in the south, you know about rural areas, um, and there, there's only, you know, a lo- one local vet. I mean, how do, are there vets who will consult online? Uh, can, they, can they go to some website? To find well, we're one. getting towards that. Absolutely. I mean, you can certainly find a veterinarian who can give you some basic nutritional advice. And there's going to be some exciting changes next year that are, it's going to allow pet owners to do this in a much uh, simpler fashion. But for now, what I have found is that if you will simply ask your veterinarian, they usually will help. And if they don't, again, that's a signal that, man, this may not be the right fit for me. What I have found in my experience is that most vets are just afraid to broach the topic. They don't uh-huh. feel like the client wants to hear this, you know, that the client's like, I don't want to talk about dog food. And p- vets think that all clients think that I'm getting a kickback on pet food sales, which is not true, <laughs> or I'm only paid by pet food companies, which is also false. So we're not – not every vet is going to be as forward-moving as, as I would like. So ask your veterinarian. Say, hey, I've got a dog. I've got a cat. I have questions about what I'm feeding it. Is this a good diet? And then gauge their level of interest. Again, you know, I'm, look, I'm a free market person, you know, and I believe that if, if yeah. you're not getting what, you, what you're paying for, then you need to go find it. Uh, awesome. Couldn't agree more. Uh, um, well, let's, let's talk about weight loss or tripods specifically yeah. um, because I know that, you know, part of the formula is exercise. Um, but without that fourth leg, there's a lot of things that, you know, we need to cut back on for our dogs and cats. And so it's a little bit harder for them to lose weight through exercise. But yet, if we let them sit around too much, they gain weight. So we're, we're kind of in this catch-22 with three-legged animals. Um, I'm curious to hear what your suggestions are for helping them lose weight through appropriate exercise. Well, Renee, first of all, I've got to dispel a very big myth, and that is you can't lose all that weight through exercise. Physiologically, that's nearly impossible. I'm a person that does Ironman triathlons, and yet I have to take the most important step if I'm going to maintain a healthy weight, and that is what we eat. The weight loss formula for dogs and humans is almost identical, and it works out like this. Weight loss in dogs and people is about 60 to 70% what we eat and only 30 to 40% what we burn. So if you're going to play the numbers game, you focus much more on the food bowl. So when people come to me and they say, my dog, like I deal a lot of dogs that have high lymph 
paralysis or paresis. So they can't use their back limbs. They're actually in a wheelchair type uh-huh. device. You've probably seen these things. And they're like, well, I can't exercise them, or he can get very minimal exercise. I'm like, no problem. It just means we have to pay extra close attention to calories in. So if, you're, if you have a tri-paw dog, you need to make sure that you are looking at calories. You have to count calories. People with regular dogs maybe can get away with not being you know, as attentive to those details. But you have to be very, very careful. And so this is where working with your veterinarian, getting those accurate caloric equation, you know, cal- those calculations done. I mean, if you go to my website, petobesityprevention.org, we have all kinds mm-hmm. of uh, weight, weight loss calculators and calorie calculators and comparisons for humans and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is you can take that information. That's a starting point. You really want to work with your vet. But if you've got a, a dog with three legs and you're going, I can't help him stay healthy at weight because he can't exercise, I say, wrong. You have got the most powerful tool in your hand, and that is the ability to precisely measure out the food every day. So if they're getting overweight, it's not because of lack of exercise. It's because of lack of attention to calories. That totally makes sense. Um, because, I, you know, when you were talking about this, I'm picturing – Trying to put a cat on a treadmill. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Right. So how do, how are you going to help your three-legged cat lose weight? Well, you're going to, yeah, you're going right. to control their their diet a little bit better. Um, well, Renee, I love that website, by the way. Well, thank you. The, the, no, go the, on. I'm physiology sorry. between. Oh yeah, there's tons of stuff. So check it out, petobesityprevention.org. But for cats, now it's a whole different equation because the physiology, the energy systems that they use, all is different. For cats, it's 90% diet and only 10% exercise. And that's because cats use for energy glycogen, which is a sugar, as opposed to dogs and humans, which we use uh, fatty acids as our primary energy source. So it's a whole different physiology. Dogs and cats are completely different when it comes to their nutritional needs uh, and calorie burn and all these things. So that's why dogs, you know, dogs are are really unique companions for, for humans because um, and, and one of the things, I, the case I made in Chowhounds years ago was one of the reasons that dogs became man's best friend was because our energy expenditure, the amount of calories that we take, like to, to walk a mile, is almost identical. So that means that a dog could eat you know, huh. a proportionate meal as to a human, and we could still wander the, the savannah. So it's really, I mean, dogs <laughs> and humans have a very, very unique match. Now, cats, on the other hand, completely different physiology that's why we serve them and we live with our dogs <laughs> that's great well i i love what you're doing dr ward and and this has been such an enlightening conversation i um i i learned a lot i really didn't know about that ratio as far as exercise to to diet so that's um that's really important we'll be we'll be emphasizing that a lot um and any, you know any Renee, other resources just- that- uh-huh. Well, just to get back to that ratio just real quick, it's been validated sure. study after study. I mean, this, this type of, of thinking goes back 40 years, and, and I can tell you there was very scarce data. Even, uh, even the past five uh, to ten years, we've, people have gotten much more uh, attention on how much do we eat versus how much do we burn, and that's why you're seeing so much emphasis lately on we've got to pay attention. You know, as, as I tell my human weight loss patients, uh, a six-pack begins in the kitchen, not in the gym. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you? Uh, I'm just curious. Do you do any long distance consulting with with people, or is it just your your in house clients? 
it's typically my in-house clients because we're doing a lot of rehab and other modalities to help. We're often dealing with pain uh, in my patients because obviously obesity creates a lot of problems, particularly the, those involving joints. So we're now we're having to put them on class four lasers or acupuncture or medications and supplements to help with pain. And that's why it's, you know, you can certainly do some consulting with nutritionists, people like me who can give you dietary advice, but unless you're approaching this in a holistic fashion, your something will wind up, you know, falling short. And, and I find that, that my biggest frustration with my obese pets is their quality of life. And that's what we really have got mm-hmm. to focus on is not just, you know, as I tell veterinarians all around the world, this is not about chasing a number on a scale. It is about improving mm-hmm. quality of life for our patients. And so that's why working with a, a veterinarian is so important because I'm looking at some of my patients and I will dramatically alter their, the, 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 calories that I'm restricting, you know, I won't, I won't restrict as much if they're, if they're having any type of, of pain or any suffering. So, you know, it's all about this big, what's working for that pet, you know, and you have to, it's a, it's a delicate uh, dance, but uh, it's one I enjoy. And I, I really enjoy the opportunity to talk to, to people like your listeners, because you guys are some of the best. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I can tell you are really, really passionate about, about this topic and you've gotten us passionate about it because we we never want to see any overweight pets but especially three-legged ones it's so hard on them um so everybody once again um the website that dr ward mentioned is petobesityprevention.org there are some really great tools in there and we'll be posting that link in our blog thank you so much for being here today Thank you, and, and they can find out more about me, check out YouTube videos, all that stuff at DrErnieWard.com. Excellent. Thank you very much, Dr. Ward. We appreciate your time and all you're doing to raise awareness about pet obesity. Listeners can learn more about you and your work at ChowHoundsBook.com as well, and find more diet and exercise tips for tripods in the blogs, forums, and many other helpful resources at Tripods.com. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.